Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to What's Poppin'. Um, this is the third episode I've... No, not the third. This is the second episode I've recorded in the span of less than five days. I think. I don't know. It... I, I've recorded a lot in the in the past few days is what I'm trying to say. I've more than usual. Like I just I've just felt the need to record all of a sudden and I don't I can't figure out whether or not it's music related or if it's shit. I can't figure out if it's if like I need to start recording music or if it's still just me recording this. But all I know is that right now I, I really want to record, and I really want to be recording a lot, and also, that doesn't look good. One of the screws is, like, coming out of my microphone. All right, well, that's... I can't screw it back in. That's making me a bit nervous. Problem is, whenever I try to screw it one way, it's... So, you know, the whole lefty, loosey, righty, tighty thing, I'm sure. Like, I keep accidentally screwing it the wrong way, and it won't go back in. Ah, fuck, that's such a small screw to, like, fix. God damn it. I hope to God it doesn't, like, break. Because if it does, I'm shit out of luck, because I don't know. What, I don't know how small, like, a screwdriver or whatever I, I would need to get in there. It's pretty damn small. But, um... The, I'm recording this Monday... But it's not going to go up till Saturday because I ha- I have an episode going up. By the time you hear this, episode 32, 33 will be up. Hold on, I need to check. Episode 32 will be going up. So that'll, that'll be fun. Um... I got some good some good stories in that episode. Let me tell you. It, if you've heard it, you you know. Um, but if for some reason you're listening to this episode beforehand, then um, I highly suggest you go listen to episode 32 to hear some some fun some fun stories from from me. You know, hanging out with friends. But um, this I just kind of. I have a wide variety of topics I want to go over in this episode. I don't know how ma- I don't know how many of them I'm going to remember to go over because if you've been with this show long enough, you know that I kind of just hop topic to topic and sometimes forget stuff to mention. And also I've brought up stuff I've wanted to mention and then just never brought it up. How loud is that plane? I can't tell if my mic is able to pick it up, but there is there's a plane passing over by. Um so, um, God, I've already forgotten what I wanted to start out with. My brain just had a massive shutdown. This is sick. Um, well, I got, I got a bunch of, I'll just start out with this because it's right in front of me. I got like a little package thing of like booklets from the college that I want to go to, which is dope. They've been sending me shit in the mail like so frequently now and I love it. Like, please keep sending me stuff. Um, but there's a paper, hold on, wait, let me grab it. Ah, shit, shit, okay, got it. Um, 
so it's like a it's to explain like the application process submitting your application um deadlines stuff like that for uh starting the fall 2021 semester which is when i hope to be going but um the school that i'm going to the school of the arts institute of chicago they require a portfolio now i don't know if i don't know how many of you know what that means and yes, I am assuming my audience is about as dumb as a brick wall, but for good reason, because I have lots of friends that are dumb, that are as dumb as a brick wall. No, not any of my real-life friends. I'm talking specifically about my Xbox friends. Um, but anyway, a portfolio is a collection of works and a collection of things that you have done in whatever field it might apply to. Like, like an artist's portfolio like um like if you were go to you were to go to like an art show and like you would see someone's like a, a lot a, like a wall of like someone's paintings and like drawings and stuff that's a portfolio it's all the stuff that they've done throughout you know their period as an artist or whatever now it does not specify what i need in this portfolio but since i can't draw and I can't paint. I'm not that kind of artist. I'm also not a film artist either. I, I don't know I don't know anything about film. Not good with that. The last the last, you know, area of art that I would say it would be applicable to this college application would be music. And as you guys know, I am working on music. So Basically, what I'm what I'm getting at here is I need to have a song. I need to have at least one song out to a, to be able to you know put into my portfolio and you know be like, hey, I could I I I write music. I do music. Look at this. Listen listen to this. Isn't it cool? But um, I I'm st like I'm I'm still work. I just wrote the chorus for lipstick on cigarettes like last night when I was I was bored so yeah um what's it called it's a it's a very short chorus it's like cuz like see what I realized is when I first mm, excuse me when I first thought of the song I was like this would work great as like an electronic like pop song, I guess, like a dark electric electronic pop song. And I was thinking like in the vein of like the 1975 or like Wallows. And and then and then I and then two two things, two things happened. First, I I listened through to the three singles released so far for Machine Gun Kelly's new album, Tickets to My Downfall, which he describes himself as it's a pop-punk album. Now, I had listened to these songs before, but listening to them all in a row, and then digesting them, and then listening to them again, I was like, okay, this, you know... 
seems like he's bringing the sound back. You know, he's making this sound mainstream again, which is dope. I I love pop punk songs. You know, um, fuck, Ocean's Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card is a fucking fire track. You should, if you listen to listen to it every day. If just listen to it every day, please. If you don't already. But um, so that happened. And then I was introduced to a band called Waterparks. And that completely changed the way that I thought of doing my music. See, I had see I've known about Waterparks for a while now. I I've I'd say I've known about them for a little over a year. The reason I know about them is because of a girl that I follow on Instagram and Twitter. I met her through um a page she used to run on Instagram and we're you know like sort of good friends now like we you know interact often on like Twitter and stuff and she has been a fan of water parks for a while and one day back in I think it was July I DM'd her on Twitter and I was like, hey, can you send me like some songs that would help me like get into water parks? And she sent me like she she sent me the a list of her favorite songs. It was about nine songs long. So I, I took those songs, I put them in a playlist, and I just listened to I just listened to those nine songs. And I was thoroughly blown away by what I heard. When I tell you I was I did not think anyone would ever bring the like this sound back. Like the like true like rock like true like early two thousands rock sound back and make it sound amazing. Like I I was shocked. Like it was it like those are now genuinely some of my favorite songs that I've ever heard from, like, recent years. So, like, last night... Last night, I was I was actually originally going to record. But I was like, eh. I feel like there's something else I could do with my time. So I, so I sat on my bed, and I listened to their entire discography in one sitting... And I was, I, like, I am now a full-blown Water Parks fan because, because of that. Like, their songs are just, like, so good. Like, no matter what aspect of it is, it's just good. And, like, I can't, like, I literally just listened to one of my favorite songs from them before I started recording this. Like, as I was setting up, getting, getting everything together to record... I had their song Turbulent playing in the background, which not only is that one of my favorite songs just, like, instrumentally, just how, like, like, everything about that song just works. Like, the the tempo, like, how fast-paced it is, Uh, you know, Austin Knight's vocals and, you know, how he, like, changes his pitch. Like, it's just so good. And the lyrics are, like, so, like, 
they're a lot of their songs seem like very i i don't know like if satire or parody are the right terms to use but they just kind of like make fun of all the tropes that you would hear in those like early 2000s pop punk songs it's like you know like breakups and like relationships and like being a being like a teen like being in high school and like becoming famous stuff like like stuff like that it's just it seemed like a lot of their songs were kind of like making fun of those tropes and making fun of those like like I guess stereotypes of like what song what a lot of songs used to be about because when you think about it a lot of songs back in the two that early 2000s like when it came to pop punk it was either relationships breaking up or like fish out of water like 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 the middle by jimmy eat world like that song is the perfect example of a fish out of water song it's like you like that song is so like two like early 2000s and it's so pop punk it like it's so it's just so i like identifiable like you know that song as soon as it comes on and also so one of one of water parks songs called no capes as i was because li- i listened to um i listened to that ep first I forget the name of it what's it called uh cluster i listened to the cluster ep first and the last song on that is no capes now the first 20 seconds of that song as i was sitting through it i was like this reminds me of something i like i'm getting like the like it wasn't even just the fact that it sounds like an early 2000s pop punk song i was just like this is like there's a very specific song that i have in mind so i kept listening and then the first chorus rolls around and i and i and i re- it fully registers in my head like i had a suspicion that it that it was this song but it fully clicked in my head when it hit the chorus the the guitar riff of no capes by waterparks sounds almost like note by note the exact same as check yes juliet by we the kings and i'm sure a lot of you know that song because it's it's a very popular song at least i would say in terms of like that era of songs like i'd say that's one of the biggest songs from that time if you know that song you know that guitar riff like as as long like all i have to do is say the title of the song check yes julia and you hear that guitar riff in your head go go listen to no capes by water parks it doesn't even have to be the the whole song just listen to those first 20 seconds and when the guitar kicks in and you give it a few seconds it will register in your head too like you will hear you will hear that guitar riff and you will immediately think check yes julia like i guarantee it and i don't know like i don't know like i don't think it's them stealing because there are parts of it that are that are, are like different so it's i don't say it's i wouldn't say it's stealing maybe like but i wouldn't say sampling either because sampling is like taking the exact piece of music and just putting it in your song like um the only thing that would really change when it comes to sampling it is like 
I guess like you could like pitch it up and down you could like chop it up whatever but it's still there like you could still recognize it and as it's uh maybe interpolating would be the right phrase they interpolated the guitar riff from check yes Juliet, and then just kind of changed it up a bit because i feel like interpolate is like a looser turn it, it's almost like a looser version of sampling where it's like it's sort of this it's almost the exact same as the original but there's slight variations like um i know travis scott did that i know he interpolated um day and night by kid cuddy on one of his songs off of uh birds in the trap sing mcknight i think it's through the late night hold on um let me i'm gonna find it i'm looking through the lyrics right now yeah on through the late night by travis scott he says day and night i toss and turn i keep stress in my mind i seek the peace sometimes i can't retain restrain to join a rage at night come out and play which those aren't the original lyrics to day and night by kid cuddy but it's similar like it's it's very it's very close so i'd say interpolating is the right word for what water parks i don't even know i want to you know what? i'm actually going to check genius to see if it, that's even true because it's possible i could just be reading into it too much i have no clue um doesn't say anywhere about it being interpolated wait hold on i just so i just looked at the um the like summary of the song on genius it says the song gets its title from a quote from pixar's the incredibles with every album or ep released the band includes a pixar reference in one of the song titles wait what that's what do you know how do you know how like listen i i've i'd say i've seen a lot of um pixar movies because i like i grew up on pixar movies like that was what i watched a majority of the time that's like i don't even know what songs would be like I know what songs from from most albums I could like rule out. Kind of maybe, but I would have to go through on Genius and figure out which song is which, like which one is a reference to a Pixar movie because that is interesting. But anyway, Back to my original point, because I know I just went off on a tangent there, but um, the whole point of me bringing up Machine Gun Kelly's latest album and me find me finding out about and listening to Water Parks is that I think I'm going to take my like my music in that direction of like pop punk or you know rock because listen I love rock music to death. Two, two years ago when I was in my sophomore year of uh, high school 
all I listened to really like was rock music. I had a whole playlist of like of just rock songs, and it was like the it was like the um the most recognizable rock songs ever, like stuff from Guns N' Roses, Bon Jovi, uh, ACDC, Queen, Journey, um, Def Leppard, The White Stripes. Like it, it was just like it was so many and it was like I know that's kind of like gen like you can kind of like 80s to 2000s but like I had everything going back to like um like I had like songs like uh Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry on there like I listened to like rock music constantly then like I still listen to rock music just not as frequently anymore mainly because of like me finding um like bands that kind of fit what I'm what I'm into more or less now like um excuse me again um obviously the 1975 it's like I still don't even know what you can call them because it's like I don't really know if you can put the 1975 into one genre I mean I'm sure I feel like their first three albums you can find a general genre to put them under. Can that truck shut the fuck up? Jesus. My street is loud sometimes. But anyway, like, their first album is very much, like, 80s, like, soft rock, I guess, I would say. And maybe, maybe a little bit of glam rock. Their second album is, like, glam, electronic, synth, pop, I would say. Their third album is, like, full-on, like, like electronic, pop, rock, like that, that vein. And then, but the thing is, their fourth album, Notes on a Conditional Form. I don't know how many of you have listened to that album. I don't know how many of you are 1975 fans. But if you have not listened to Notes on a Conditional Form, whether you like the band or not, go listen to that album and try to tell me one genre that describes that entire album. <laughs> and alternative doesn't count because that's like, alternative describes such a wide range. Like it covers so much ground. Like alternative is even used to describe just like normal rock sometimes. Like I don't know why, but um, Green Day's American Idiot album on Apple Music is listed as alternative, which makes no sense to me because that's just a straight-up rock album. But for some reason, it's listed as alternative. But, like, try to give me, like, one discernible genre that you can list that entire... all of notes on a conditional form under. Because you you can't. Like, it's... Let me Let me just go through that album... And to and give you a rundown of the songs. So obviously their opening track, the 1975, like all their albums open with a song called the 1975. And on the first three albums, all the songs are the same lyrics but different instrumental. This time, the opening track, the 1975, is a speech by, you know, um, activist Greta Thunberg. She's like. 13 14 something she's pretty young 
you know, she talks about stuff like global warming, the ozone layer, shit like that. Track number two is People, which is a straight-up hard rock, Marilyn Manson-inspired, like, it's like Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails. You can't read, like, it's just, like, hard rock, like, I... When it first came out, I described it as, like, emo rock, but I don't really think it fits under that. I mean, the instrumental does. If it was just an instrumental track, you would call it an emo, like, emo track. But the lyrics imply, like, otherwise, even though I guess, even with the lyrics, you could imply that it's, like... Well, not really. Because the lyrics are very much, like, continue the message from the opening track of, like, you know, we have to do what we have to do to, like keep shit under control it's very much like a harder version of their song love it if we made it from their third album track number three is the end music for cars that's just a short instrumental track which like again it's like it's not specific like you i can't really even describe that one it's just kind of like instrumental that's it Track number four, Frail State of Mind, which I, I, in a previous episode, I forget what why I did it, but I played a tiny bit of it, like, I, t- I played the beginning. That's, that's an entirely, like, electronics, like, synth song. So, and it's, you know, touches on, um, you know, like, stuff like mental health, anxiety, social awkwardness, I guess. Track number five, Streaming. Again, another instrumental track. There's a few instrumental tracks on this album, so bear with me on with when it comes to that. Track number six, The Birthday Party, is a folk song. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know if you can call it folk rock, but it's like, when it comes down to it, it's a folk song. Track number seven, Yeah, I Know, is... um. Another electronic song. I wouldn't say this one's electronic synth. I would say it's just electronic. Um, if I'm, yeah. It's, and it's very, the lyrics are very simple. Like, I believe this is the chorus. The chorus just consists of the lyrics, hit that shit, go hit that shit. Hit that shit, go hit that shit. Hit it, share that shit. Hit that shit, go hit that shit. That is that is the chorus of that song. Uh, track eight, then because she goes is, it's like a it's like a mix of like, well, I guess this one's more rock oriented because it's very guitar driven. So, track nine, uh, Jesus Christ two thousand five, God bless America. Yes, that is the full title. N- no, there is like there's nothing like it, that's that's the title. But um, it's very much like a, it's like an acoustic like ballad with like some soft piano to it and a little bit of like electronic elements to it. Track ten, Roadkill, is just that's just a straight up country song, it just full on yeehaw, you know. <laughs> um, track eleven, Me and You Together song. That it and yes, it does have the word song in the title. That is literally an early 2000s pop punk song that i'm not kidding uh track 12 
is I think there's something you should know. It's it's basically like the sequel to Frail State of Mind, so it's like, you know, electronic synth fits the same thing. Track 13 is Nothing Revealed slash Everything Denied. Um, that is like a, it's like an, uh, it's like electronic, um, pop with uh, gospel and rap. So yeah, um, track 14, Tonight I Wish I Was Your Boy. Um, I would say that is probably synth pop I'd put that under. I don't know. That one's a little hard to place. Even though I've that's one of my most listened to songs off the entire album. Still kind of hard for me to place it. Um, track fifteen, shiny collarbone. This one I don't even know how to describe it. Like you, you couldn't pay me. Like you could have a gun to my head and say list the exact genre of shiny collarbone by the nineteen seventy five. You would have to shoot me right then and there because I don't know. It's like this weird like African type song like the the instrumental and the vocals are like I don't really know what else to say about it other than it's just like it, it's very it's like an African like culture inspired song that's about as far as I can go with it without like um track 16 if you're too shy let me know it's very that's very much like 80s rock like just straight up like that's the one song where i can definitively say it's just straight up like specifically a genre uh track 17 playing on my mind um i listen i'll be honest i haven't listened to hold on wait let me i'm just gonna play from a distance a little bit of it Okay, that's acoustic. That's an acoustic song. Um Yeah. Um track 18, Having No Head. That's also that's an instrumental song. Don't st- again, don't know how to fully describe the instrumental songs. Uh track 19, What Should I Say? This is my personal favorite off the album. Go listen to it. it it's amazing, but I would probably describe this as like a house track like an EDM house type song and it very much feels like that when you listen to it like if you listen to this song with minimal lights in your room or no lights at all and you just dance around while it's in the background it very much makes you feel like you're in a movie it makes you feel like the main character of a movie let me I'm telling you like when I listen to this song every time I picture myself wandering around a house party not really knowing why i'm there but i'm and i'm like really contemplating like like you know how did i get to this point in my life like you know my friends are here there's people that i know here but i don't really feel connected to anyone it feels like like that's what that to me that's what this entire song feels like when i listen to it it's very it's very moody for me um track 20 bagsy's not in net um again 
haven't listened to the album in a while. Let me play it from a distance. Alright, that's orchestral. That's like, um, that reminds me of Clocks by Coldplay. Uh, no, not Clocks. Uh, Viva La Vida by Coldplay. I knew it was a Coldplay song. I just couldn't remember which, which one. Um, track 21. It's a piano. It's, an, it's a piano ballad, but with heavy auto-tune. Which, I'm not saying that auto-tune is a bad thing. I'm like genuine. Like, it's a, it's a, it's actually a very good use of auto-tune. And the, you know, piano sounds great. And it's a duet between the lead singer, Matty Healy, and his dad. So, you know, feels. And then... Final track, track 22, Guys. I would say that's like a, a, like a soft rock song. Um, which Matty Healy, he, he says he, he the song is literally just a you know love letter to the rest of the band, considering they're all very close friends just outside of being in a band. So, And yeah, that is, that's Notes on a Conditional Form. That, that's 22 tracks of what the fuck. <laughs> but it's what the fuck in a good way, you know? It's genuinely one of my favorite albums of the of the year. It came, yeah, it came out this year. I had to think for a second because, like, we, we've been in this weird place this year, all right? I forgot it came out in May. You know, two months after we all had to get locked inside. Um... But, yeah, I just, I love the 1975, and I'm always, like, like, no matter how many times I listen to their songs, I don't know what happened to my voice just then, but no matter how many times I listen to their songs, I'm, I'm always inspired in some new way from my own songs, but it's, at this point, it's mostly for, from a songwriting standpoint. It's not really from, like, a, like, a song-making standpoint if you get what I mean. It's like, now when I, when I go to, now I have like Water Parks and Machine Gun Kelly's new album to, for like, at, like, like song structure, like, um, you know, um, cause, well, I don't even know, it, I don't even think there's like a conventional structure for songs anymore. I think like songs just are kind of all over the place and like, it'll still work. Like, I know if you want your song to, like, get played on the radio, it's, like, you should stick to a very, um, easy format of, like, verse chorus, verse chorus, bridge chorus. Sometimes throw in, like, an extra verse or, like, a pre-chorus or something like that, an outro maybe. But, the, like, I, like, I don't, in, like, I don't intend to, like, have my songs really played on a rate, on, like, radio stations. I mean, I guess unless it's, like, you know, like, a serious XM station for whatever reason, but, like, on, like, local radio stations, I don't intend my songs to, like, get that kind of play. Like, because, like, nowadays, like, radio play doesn't matter for songs. It's all about, like, how many streams your songs get on, on, like, Apple Music and Spotify. Because, like, if your song is not doing good on those, then, like, who the fuck cares about what you're putting out, you know? But I I feel like that's, like, there's new ways for people to, like, put out music. Like, no, like, there's a lot of artists who are really doing well without, like, a label nowadays. And, 
Like, I don't intend to sign to a label. Like, I don't want to. Because I don't want to sign away most of my life and most of my money to people who don't give a fuck about me as a person. Like, alright, so... This is, like, this isn't... Hold on. I had to take a drink real quick. But, um... If you, if you want a prime reason as to why... I don't want to be signed to a label. Look at what is going on with Kanye West right now. He's trying to buy his uh, masters back from Universal and Def Jam. Um, because they own his masters. And, like, he's trying to, like, um, get right with... He's trying to, like, make peace with, like, uh, Jay-Z and even Taylor Swift. Like, he's trying to help her get her masters back from uh, Scooter Braun. And it's like, Def Jam specifically has been very shady recently. Like, it started, like, it really started coming up very recently how shady they seem to be. And also just how, like, desperate they seem to be for whatever reason. Even though they are a multi-million dollar, you know, record label. So, first, they were, like, hyping up an announcement for like a, a Def Jam fighter game like there was an old like Def Jam like game where like rappers signed to the label you could play as the, it was like a fighting game like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter you could play as different rappers and like fight they were teasing like a possible like remaster or something with like n- new like artists on their label and they were saying like if you want news about a new game, like, get us to a million followers on Twitter. So, people started following like crazy, and eventually they got to a million, and they still are at a million, but they haven't made an announcement. And this was, like, two, three months ago when they said they were gonna, you know, make this announcement if they got to a million followers. So everyone, like, even if you go to their replies on Twitter now, people are still like, yo, where's the announcement? But then recently, they got called out by Logic and and some of, some members on his team because Logic's DJ Rhetoric, who I guess had some like production work done on Logic's uh, album No Pressure, he tweeted out asking Def Jam if he was ever gonna get paid for the work he did on the album. And Logic backed him up. He was like, yeah, Def Jam, what the fuck? Like, are you going to pay my boy or what? So, you know. Sorry, I'm like biting my lip. And then also, just recently, um, Logic respond like, Logic quoted one of, I want to bring it up. He quoted one of Kanye's tweets about the whole thing. And I want to bring it up because I don't want to misword it. So, here it is. So, Kanye tweeted on September 16th, he said, 90% of the record contracts on a, on the planet are still on a royalty, a standard record deal. Or, sorry, he doesn't use period, so it's hard to see where his sentences start and end. Let me restart. 90% of the record contracts on on the planet are still on a royalty. A standard record deal is a trap to never have you recoup 
and there's all these hidden costs like the distribution fees many labels put in their contracts to make even more money off our work without even trying. Logic responded to that a day later. He said, I feel you, Def Jam ain't trying, ain't trying to pay Lil Wayne his fee, so I guess the perfect remix ain't coming out. Oh, a few of my folks, their money, honestly. And so, basically, what Logic is saying is that he got Lil Wayne on as like a guest uh, verse for a remix of his song Perfect, which was on No Pressure. But Def Jam isn't paying Lil Wayne his fee for it. So they can't put the song out. They can't put the remix out. And like who knows how many other artists are possibly on the remix. Like it maybe it's not just Lil Wayne. And the fact that he not only said that but also said that Def Jam owes more people on his team money than just rhetoric. Def Jam's being shady. And also, Logic's, like, the label that he is signed under, Visionary, which is a subdivision of, um, Def Jam, like, it's a, I think it's like a, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a sub, I don't know if sub's the right word, like, sub-label of Def Jam, but, like, Def Jam is, like, Logic's distributor when it comes to, like, his albums and his projects. But when it comes to, like, Logic's career as a whole, he's managed by Visionary. So, technically, Logic still has one album left under Def Jam. But he retired, so he doesn't have to... Uh, under the terms of Visionary with them managing his career and, like, them, like, you know, supporting his decision to retire and not, like, forcing him to put out another album to finish his deal with Def Jam, they don't, like, they don't have to force him to, you know, make another project. They're, in, like, you know, they're, they're the ones, like, his manager, Sermon, works for Visionary. So... Obviously, if Logic wanted to retire, he would have to go through Sermon, who would have to go through Visionary. Visionary doesn't have to go through Def Jam for things like that. They only have to go through Def Jam in terms of, like, getting, like, new songs or new albums, like, put out, like, distributed to streaming services, or, you know, getting, like, I guess, like, albums and songs financed or maybe music videos financed stuff like that so you know it's not it's not visionary that owes logic money because they even replied like with a with a gif like nodding their head no like you know being upset so they like def jam doesn't have control over them because if they posted that they posted that, and clearly, since it's still up, Def Jam has no control over what they post. And they also don't really have control over what, you know, stuff like what like Kanye and Logic are both saying about them. And they're also just not responding to any of it. 
Like, if you go to Def Jam's Twitter right now, I'm going to go through, um, like, even in their replies, like, some, in their replies from a tweet from two hours ago, someone said, hold on, let me get back to it. Someone said, yo, nobody cares about, about this lame at all because they were posting about an artist. Nobody cares about this lame at all. Where is the Def Jam announcement, you phonies? And then, back when Logic first made the statement that, like, rhetoric wasn't getting paid, people were, people were under them saying, like, yo, pay, pay rhetoric, like, he deserves it. Um... And, like, yeah, like, you could go through. It's, like, people are still, like, still waiting on that Def Jam announcement. But it's, like, I'm pretty sure they've been deleting replies directly relating to the Kanye stuff and also maybe the Logic stuff, which is just, like, a fucked up thing to do. Like, they don't, like, they don't give a fuck about their artists. That's the whole thing. They don't give a fuck about their artists. They just care about the money. But it's like, why? Like, why would you hold a song from coming out? Why would you hold? Like, why would you hold a song like like a remix of "Perfect" from coming out with someone like Lil Wayne on it? Which, first of all, "Perfect" is like if you were to take like some of the songs from "No Pressure" and like if you could pick some of the songs from "No Pressure" as like standalone tracks, "Perfect" would be a number one standalone track. Like, just all, there's, that song works so well on its own. It's short, but it's amazing. And it's like, why would you, why would you be so, like, fucking clean, like, why would you be so, like, money hungry that you won't even let a remix of a song like that come out with possibly like big artists like aside from Lil Wayne like who god knows who else is on that song that we aren't getting to hear verses from because like that song on its own is amazing like logic lyrics on that song and just like the beat and the sampling of like the street fighter like announce announcer uh voice lines it's just amazing like that's where the title of the song comes from is like in a street fighter match when the announcer shouts perfect like that's where the that's where the title comes from. It's like why would you like why would you not allow something like that to come out? It's just shitty. Like I want to hear that so bad and it's like it sucks that like Logic can't even like just release it on his own. Like he can't just like put it as like a Dropbox link, which he did like it's not something like his Twitch tape that he just dropped recently where it's just like a few beats that he made that he could just put on a dropbox link and everyone can download because it's like it's you know a remix of a pre-existing you know officially released song so it kind of sucks you know i i'm to be honest i'm kind of hoping a bunch of rappers take def jam to court for shit like this like if if i were like if it were up to me if i was either Kanye West or Logic right now, I'd be suing Def Jam for shit like this. Because that's like withholding money. 
Like I know it probably says somewhere in their contract in Def Jam's contract like oh you, this this and this about like you know their fees and stuff. It's like like what like I feel like I feel like artist like artist contracts that they sign for like um record labels should be like more like like from a legal standpoint they should be more examined by like professionals like lawyers and stuff and like determine what is and isn't okay for like uh record labels to take from their artists in terms of like money and even like ownership of songs because i don't think it's right that like if you sign a record label you inadvertently sign away the right to the ownership of your music because like once you once you sign a record label deal and you release songs under that record label those songs are no longer yours they belong to the record label those songs are under their portfolio now they're not under yours that and like they may have your name on it they may be on your album or your ep but they're not yours anymore which sucks because it's like that's not fair um but yeah i that's i just i don't plan on signing to a record label it's like they're like i feel like just like from like social media alone artists can get big like have you seen what tiktok has done for people tiktok has made people blow the fuck up like if you haven't heard it the song uh nobody came to my party by pm bada that song is fire and he isn't he's not under a record label he he just like his audio like the the audio from the song got put on tiktok and he was like you know promoting the hell out of it you know he was you know really just putting a grind into it and not only that song but his other music and then there's also this page on tiktok and instagram called live to create they like they're like very big on like supporting artists who don't want to sign to record labels and who like want to be independent and it's great like i support them 100 percent. and they like they encourage you to like if you make music independently like send in your stuff and they will like you know put they have a whole playlist called art not algorithms on spotify just full of like it's just full of um independent artist songs and like i like i'm 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 eventually gonna get around to like really just sitting down and listening to the playlist but like just from the look of like another song ashes by stellar like that song is so good like i'm telling you you like you got to go listen to this playlist you got to go listen to some 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 of these independent artists because they really are worth your time like trust me but um anyway moving on from music i wanted like th- this is a topic i i've been meaning to cover in like one way or another because i feel like it this is like a for some reason cursing is still a taboo topic and i'm confused by that because we live in 2020 now where like cursing is basically like common it's like you hear it almost everywhere it's like 
I don't get why people still think that cursing is like such a problem. What what is what is the like why are you Here's here's the thing. Sorry about that noise. I was moving my um I was moving my laptop closer. It's on my like little uh stand thing. But like um why are people like why are you still making such a big deal about cursing? It doesn't really harm you. You know, like I get that, that like curse words can be used in a harmful context, but just like you know, just if you're just like casually swearing in like a sentence, like what is the problem with that? You know? I I get that some people are just like very like they're just very PG people or maybe they're religious and, you know, yeah, for, for whatever reason they think Christ wouldn't like hearing or Jesus wouldn't like hearing swear words or whatever but I just I never listen I grew up in a my house was like very loose when it came to like what I what I could and couldn't do like and like it's get you know it's gotten looser as I've gotten older so like I I could you know me and my family curse all the time it doesn't really matter we you know, we curse during casual conversation, like, pretty much every day. But it's, like, why, like, why in, like, school and in, like, office buildings and stuff like that, why is cursing so, like, frowned upon? Like, I feel like in school, if you want kids to pay attention and you want them to be invested in what they're learning, like, maybe don't talk like, you know, a 60-year-old professor from the year 1957 maybe just talk like a normal person talk how you would talk to like you know a friend like you know stay on topic but like just shoot the shit with your students make it easier for them to like not fall asleep like get them like I have teachers in my school that like have no problem with cursing like, they have no problem with kids cursing in their class. They have no problem with cursing in front of students. And that's great. But there's still teachers who are just like, hey, don't curse, you know. Don't, you know, don't swear. Like, it's inappropriate language. But my thing is, if if swearing is inappropriate language, if it's, you know, inappropriate, immature language, why why, why do movies get R ratings for adult language referring to cursing? Have you ever thought about that? Also, why are movies still getting R ratings if the only bad thing in them, or quote-unquote bad thing, is cursing? It's like, a movie could have so much violence in it. Like, it could, it could, it could be like, almost like Texas Chainsaw Massacre level of violence in it. But one person in the movie says fuck, and that's what gets it the R rating. Huh? Like, the, this, this is why the MPAA needs to be, like, revised. But I think the MPAA has, has been needed to be revised for years now. Probably for, like, two, three decades. Because, like, if you look at what, like, the kind of violence that shows up in movies now. And you compare it to, um, what you would see, like... Compare, like, R-rated violence in movies now to R-rated violence in movies in the 80s, and you're like, what? Like, huh? How is, how is that? How are these in the same league? 
It's like, look at the Friday the 13th movies. Those movies had to get chopped down so many times from the MPAA because of how, like, apparently, like, bad the kills were, like, how gruesome they were. But, like, look at the 2009 Friday the 13th uh, movie. Look at... Look at the Saw movies. Look at the Final Destination movies. It's like, these are all R-rated movies that, like, have, like, very gruesome, you know, deaths and, you know, violence. But yet, like, a cutaway scene of a girl getting a machete through the chest and then seeing the body later and there's, like, very minimal blood and you can barely make out that she was stabbed. Like, honestly, it just, it literally just looks like two ends of a machete, like, sliced in half and just put on the, the ends, like, the front and back of her. Those both get R ratings. Like, realistically, the Friday the 13th movies from the 80s should have been rated PG-13. But I feel like the only reason they made them R-rated was to compete with, like, Halloween. To be like, hey, like, look, we're edgy, too. Like, we're an edgy slasher movie, like, with lots of teenagers having sex and getting killed. It's like... Another thing is, why is nudity still classified as an R-rating? Nudity is possibly the one of the most natural things in human existence. We're all born naked. You know... We, we, we all, like, for a majority of, like, our childhoods, like, just went completely naked, like, you know, like, either getting carried or, like, walking around the house. Like, come on, like, you, some, some, some of us used to, like, bathe with our siblings. And, and yet, like, a woman, like, pulls her tits out on, in a movie, and they're instantly, like, R-rating, R-rating. It's like, no, that's PG-13 material. Like, every 13-year-old boy in the world has seen porn at least once. I don't think see- I don't think seeing tits is, like, a thing for people 17 and over. Which, you know, I- you know what- you know how long it took me to realize after I turned 17 that I could now go to R-rated movies by myself? It took me so long to remember that R-rated movies, it was 17 and up. For, like, going by yourself. I don't know why it took me so long to realize that. But the thing is, like, I can't even go to movies right now. Like, I don't feel like going to movie theaters in the middle of a pandemic. I'm good. How the fuck am I supposed to eat my snacks? (laughs) How am I supposed to scarf down a a whole box of nachos when I'm supposed to be wearing a mask and keeping six feet away from people? This is bullshit. You know? You know what's funny is, and this is going on to a completely different topic again, but also kind of going back to a previous topic, my first song is called Lipstick on Cigarettes, and the chorus, like, literally, like, it alludes to, like, kissing a girl and being able to taste the cigarette on her lips, or, like, whatever, like, the, the chorus is... Red lips, cigarettes, it's all I taste when I kiss you. Nicotine, so serene, you make me fall in lust with you. Listen, I know that I know that may sound corny or whatever. But I like I wrote that line like thinking like I was writing a a, a 
early 2000s pop punk song like can't you imagine like imagine like fallout boy like singing that lyric i'm so in lust with you like come on now you're telling me that like that doesn't sound good in some context like i'll make it work i'm i'm i don't have the best singing voice but i'll make it work but like that song implies like the the fact that i have kissed a girl and tasted like a cig like cigarette or like nicotine on her lips i've never done that <laughs> i've never kissed a girl who i've never kissed a girl who smoked cigarettes i i knew well i was friends with this guy who like i feel like this is i feel like i don't know if i should get into this story now i feel like i should though i i guess now all right so basically back in eighth grade middle school i'm 14 15 years old mate wait yes 13 well hold on give me a sec so middle school was or eighth grade at least was four years ago and beginning of well i would say it's like so 15 no because 14 so freshman year of high school 14 15 sophomore 15 16 junior 16 17. all right so i'm like 13 14 14 probably um so there was this guy i was friends with he was like two three years older than me the only reason i was friends with him was because of the he, he was you know he i I, the friends that I had at the time knew him, so I just became friends with him over time. Anyway, he had a sister who, I don't know why, like, listen, I'm going to be so absolutely 100 with all of you right now. I, I was possibly the least attractive version of myself in 8th grade, or middle school in general. I, I don't know how anyone at in that period could have found me attractive like i just it was not it uh, that was that was not it for me like those years were just absolutely no for me but anyway she somehow found me attractive and she was like she like wanted to date me and i was just like huh why why <laughs> i i genuinely could not understand why like I'm telling you keep in mind she's like maybe I think she was like a year older than me maybe so she's like 15 and um I was like I was I was like I don't I don't know because it just felt weird like I was just like do I really want to date one of my friend's sisters that like it that just, uh, just saying that out loud like when I like, I remember one day, I'm pretty sure I literally said it out loud. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm dating this girl. She's my friend's sister. I was just like, that. I don't like how that sounds. I don't like having to explain that to someone. But, like, there was a time where I, like, considered it. And I remember one night, I, I texted her. And I, like, started kind of, like, flirting with her. But I was still like, I don't know. Like, 
and listen, here's how, here's how, like, I guess, I guess this is where, like, my, where, like, the early signs of, like, my confidence started, I would say, if you really want to call it confidence and not just, like, me being a douchebag, which, again, goes back to, was it two episodes ago at this point? The whole confidence thing. I was like, I I messaged her. I was like, listen, I don't know if I want to like go out with you, but I would be willing to like hook up with you. So let's do it. And like without hesitation, she said yes. <laughs> Keep in mind, I am. 14 and have no idea how sex works at this point it's like i've i watched a lot of porn still had no idea how sex worked and keep in mind also keep in mind i'm 14 i don't own a single condom nor am i going to go out at 14 years old to buy one or buy a pack i would like this like had this happen had this whole thing gone through this would have ended very badly probably i don't know Just, yeah anyway so like th- like this was like a legit about to happen the day it was supposed to happen my family gets into a fight and i was like so like stressed out from it and just like so like emotionally fucked up because it was like a big fight i was just like so like fucked up from it i texted her like immediately after i was like i can't do this and i like i'm pretty sure i even said in the message i sent to her i was like i don't know when i can do this i don't know if i'll ever be able to after what after what had happened which i'll probably get into that whole thing um well, no, because that that wasn't the fight. I don't know. It, it yeah, yeah, it might have been because it was around summer. It might that might have been the fight that I'm thinking about. But um, I'll get into that on a like on another episode. Probably next episode I'll get into it because it's like that is a very that's a very big situation in and of itself that needs like a lot of time dedicated to it. But um. Yeah, like, I, I do not know what I was thinking at 14 years old, thinking, yes, I'm going to hook up with this girl, who is my friend's sister. But I don't, I don't, I, you know, I might as, I'm, I've already told this much. We were going to do it, in, we were going to do it in a library bathroom. I wish I was kidding. The, there's a library literally down the street from my house me and her were gonna meet there both sneak into the same bathroom and then have sex do you do you know how stupid this this whole thing is like this, like this is how like this, I feel like that marked the beginning of the troubles I would have with girls from then on out that's that's what started it a hundred percent yo and then like what was it 
like last year i was in this like weird space of like not knowing what the fuck to do when it when it came to girls i think like early that like early last year during like the summer like i i texted him again i was i was like i I was making it seem like i was just like trying to like meet up with him again and like hang out but in reality i like genuinely just like kind of wanted to see his sister which is like low-key really bad but then fucking um yo sophomore year of high school the the friends that i that i had known um that that knew him that like led me to meet him like i was like with them like again and like we we had gone we went to the mall which we had done like multiple times like just to like fuck around we went to the mall and we ran into him and his sister again and i was like like at the time she like looked really fucking good and i was just like fuck how did i but like she like she had a boyfriend by then so i was just like yeah it can't happen anymore so might as well just move on which i have to applaud myself for being able to just like move on at that point and just like you know i mean but then again it kind of like established the pattern that like a year later i would be like trying to like trying to like be able to see her again by like tricking her brother which i guess kind of set up just kind of laid out how things would go for me later down the line with everything that happened recently as you guys know but like can't i don't even like i don't even know if like i can can i really be blamed for no i shouldn't i shouldn't no well god damn it this yo getting into conversations like this are like so stressful even though they're with myself i just know like i'm putting this out it's like people are gonna hear it but no like seriously like listen like just take a second and like listen to me on this on this one thing can i real like can you really like can anyone really get mad at me for feeling the way i did when it comes to like the whole thing with my ex like seriously can like i i get that everyone around me was just like zach you are making such a dumb mistake right now like that is not like it's not good it's not good for you mentally it's not good for you emotionally like it's just gonna fuck you up but it's like because even because no i was talking to Vinny, right on the phone the other day this motherfucker he was bro he was talking to me he was like he was talking to me about his his first ex and he was like yeah like you know you know we you know we went for a long time and it was good and it was like you know, i kind of miss her I, I tried to get back with her and i was just like oh really you motherfucker so you can do it and not get criticized but i can't like what like come on are you gonna tell me that nine that like 99 percent of people when their first girlfriend or boyfriend breaks up with them they don't think about getting back with them multiple times before they fully move on like come on now you know how many times that shit happens 
you know how many times I've seen like first time couples go on and off again because like you know when they first break up they're just like oh I don't need you like shit sucked anyway I fucking hated you and then like they get back together the for the first time and they're just like your soulmate always finds your way back to you you know it was just it was right person wrong time and it's like oh Jesus Christ what the fuck are you like I feel like relationships like I feel like high school relationships are the most bipolar thing you could ever witness happen right in front of you. Because, bro, it's so weird how they just, like, pan out. Bro, there there was this couple in my high school that, like, had been... They, they had been going for so long. They were going so well. And then just last year, they broke up. And it was just... No, I don't even think it was last year. I think it was, the, like earlier this year they broke up and bro i was just like what the fuck like they yo they were perfect for each other like they were always you know supportive of each other and like everyone just unanimously unanimously agreed that they would like they would be the one couple from high school that would like be together like after like graduation and shit and then they broke up and everyone was just like what the like how Like, do you get what I mean when I say, like, high school relationships are the most bipolar thing you could witness? Because, like, one second, it could be, you know, all sunshine and rainbows. The the next day, you fucking walk into school, and they're shouting at each other because apparently, you know, one of them cheated on the other or or one of them, was you know, was abusive or whatever the fuck. And it's like, huh? How How did this transpire over the course of a few hours? But at the same time, it's like listen I'll be honest like I don't even like I don't even know if I should like keep trying to go for girls that are like like in the state that I live in like I don't know if I should keep trying to like go for girls like I feel like considering the fact that I'm probably gonna be in Chicago like come like this time next year like how about I just like go for a girl with Chicago go for I think I said that wrong. I don't know. Go for a girl in Chicago. You know, we talk until I get there, and then we just, like, you know, we actually start dating when I get there. Like, like, I feel like that would be so easy. Like, and that would just, like, wouldn't be a pain in the ass. And plus, most Jersey girls suck anyway. I, I don't, like, listen. I'm glad that I finally found my type. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know if my type has anything to do with the fact that I just, like, now, like, want to learn how to skate, considering my type is skater girls, like, but it's just, like, I don't know, it's just, skater girls always just seem to be the most, like, energetic and, like, happy people to be around. I think that should, that just goes for skaters in general, but when you see, like, a, a skater girl just, like, doing her thing and just like having fun cracking jokes like she like bro she like glows with energy and it's just it's so hot like it really is like i like like bro skater girls are the best girls don't at me like it's plain and simple i'm telling you (laughs) but um listen that's that's just that's how i feel i'm gonna i'm gonna learn i'm gonna learn how to skate i promise you that not only am I going to learn how to play guitar, I'm going to learn how to skate. 
bro i'm gonna be bro i'm gonna be a jack of all trades like just you wait yo i just found out today actually and i'll end i'll end this episode on this fact i saw a video on tiktok and it was like your birth month can determine your career path i haven't done research on this but listen the tiktok page that i found it on the girl that like was talking about it she like gets her facts from like very reliable places and stuff and she like backs them up and with like where the research was done whatnot so she was like your birth month can determine your career path so i'm i was born in february keep in mind she said for february that you know february baby can i just pull up the video i'm just gonna pull up the video and play it i'll play the bit that like actually pertains to fucking uh february if tiktok loads kind of hoping this doesn't take forever so i can end the episode um where is it where is it where here it is all right listen if it doesn't like you know load and shit Come on. can actually have an effect on which career path you choose. January babies have this mindset that they're natural born leaders, so they tend to do well in jobs where they're in charge or have high prestige, the most popular of which are general practitioners and debt collectors. People born in February are creative and unconventional, which means that they have a hard time with that nine to five job, which is why a surprisingly high amount of you guys become artists. But if you're born in February and you're not that artistic, you could become a traffic cop. There's a lot of you guys. It's a little weird. March babies Bro, do you see what I mean? February babies are creative and unconventional, which is why so many of them become artists. Like, bro, I could not have been born at... My birthday is literally perfect. (laughs) Like, when you really think about it, my birthday is the most perfect thing in the world. Because let me break it down. I was born February 21st, 2003. I'm 17 years old. So... I am going to turn 18. I'm going to become a legal adult on 2-21-2021. Do you know how cool that sounds to say? How cool, like, 2-21-2021. That's dope, bro. Like, I, I fucking love saying... Also, fun fact about my birthday, I was supposed to be born on Valentine's Day. Uh, my mom went into the hospital ready to have me on valentine's day or may she might have went in like the night before like february 13th with the intention of me like coming out on valentine's day which makes sense i get that because you know birthing a baby can take hours but my mom went in like ready for me to be born on valentine's day but i just wasn't ready to come out and then a week later, I was, you know, I was born February 21st, 2003, which also I looked it up. I would, so I would like, if we're, you know, going off of like the exact estimate of like nine months from like when I was conceived to my birth, I was most likely the result of my mom and my dad having Memorial Day sex so do with that information what you will and i will end the episode on that 
information. Um, so if you want to follow me on Instagram, my at is musicbyzach. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my at is at songsbyzach. And if you want to follow me on TikTok, music by Zach. I feel like I should... St- See, the thing is, I wish my Twitter could be the same, but someone already has the at music by Zach on Twitter, so I can't use it. So songs by Zach is, you know, you're going to have to be stuck with hearing, you know, two of the same username and one different every time. Sorry. But anyway... Thank you guys for listening. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye.